Good morning, JT. Hey, good morning, Bob. Morning. I was call- I was calling to see if you have any knowledge about the linden tree in the central part of, or actually in the southern hill country. Oh, yeah. What would you like to know about it? It's a, it's a very interesting tree, and obviously <laughs> been here a long time. Der Lindenbaum used to be one of my favorite restaurants. It's in Fredericksburg, so uh, we know oh, the yeah. Germans do about it a long time ago. Uh, my business partner has had, I don't have any of them on my ranch west of Bernie, but uh, down along the uh, Guadalupe River, I, I know they've been hurt by the floods, but uh, uh, my business partner has had a number of them in the past growing on her ranch up there. Uh, any specific thing I can tell you about it? Well, I was trying to find a source for them, and do you know how long it takes for them to start blooming the only thing i can find so far is little two foot high bare root source um i would really like to find something a little bit more a little bit bigger and when do they start blooming they bloom um you know the the bloom is not showy it's a real unusual the way it comes out right in the center of the leaf but um they'll take to reach maturity from seed probably be about six to eight years there is a nursery i think they do wholesale and retail up in austin it's called natives of texas um that would be a place i would check i don't know i i've never seen them available you know in the general tree market that the people we buy from it's just one of those things that uh nobody seems to be propagating but check out natives of texas and next time we get a shipment from them i'll find out if they have any uh, any lindens, uh, cause I'd love to carry them. If we found a source of them They're They're not a, not a big shade tree or, but they're certainly a unique tree. So check with them and I'll check some of our other sources and see if we can help find one for you. Okay. Somebody said there was a place in Medina called native garden nursery. And there is a place up there. There's also love Creek orchards, but, uh, I've not, nobody has told me that they grow lindens, but you can certainly give them a try. I guess the, my interest was for bees. You know, they're really good for bees to find the blooms. But, um, I, the, I guess my concern was there if I plant one now, you have no way of knowing how old it is. And will they bloom before they reach sexual maturity? Or no, is, is no, that's what place? that's what blooming is, is the opportunity okay. to make seed. Look for, um, there are some other... Um, uh, you know, some other things that will give you a lot more flowers a lot more quickly. And, um, but, uh, a linden would certainly be a fun thing to put into the mix. Plus they're just so, uh, they're just so unusual in the way they grow and bloom. But, uh, compared to, uh, Boudlias and, you know, things that the bees just love this time of year, alyssum and snapdragons and things like that. Uh, your sweet almond yeah. verbena is just a bee magnet, uh, through the warm weather. It blooms off and on and, um, gosh, citrus there. There are a lot of different things you can plant to benefit the bees. Lindens would be one of them, but I think there are actually other things that, uh, are going to be even more attractive to the bees. All right, I sure appreciate your time as always. Good Thanks luck with it, and I'll make okay. it a point to see if I can find anybody who's got any um, a little more local source. Thank you much. You're Thank welcome, you. JT. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, Thomas is next, then it'll be David and Ray. Good morning, Thomas. Good morning, Bob. Well, good morning, sir. I uh, I had a bunch of uh, tests, blood tests and all that done here recently, and I found out uh, I got a lot of Roundup. Yep. Glyphosate. Glyphosate. Yep. Glyphosate, right. I've, 
I've never used Roundup in my life. So. Well, unfortunately, you eat like most of us do, and uh, they're you know there there are a couple of sources if you want to know where you're most likely to be picking up roundup uh you can simply go online there is uh, a list they maintain called the dirty dozen and they are the most pesticide sprayed crops out there uh there's a second list they call the clean 15 and those are going to be the list of things that are the least sprayed and uh, it's just kind of a wake-up call. Buying organic doesn't guarantee that there is absolutely no Roundup on or in them because, you know, it's you may have an organic field and you're getting spray drift from somewhere else. But uh, trying to stay as organic as you can in your diet, trying to look for that little butterfly that is the GMO-free. Uh, GMO, most of the, the most heavily sprayed crops with Roundups are the genetically modified crops so stay organic where you can stay gmo free where you can't and you might talk to the good folks over at Rhonda's nature's way i should probably do this too and uh find out if there are any uh chelating or cleansing things in particular that will help you get the glyphosate out of your body because it does a lot of it is flushed out in the urine and uh the problem is when you just eat stuff off the grocery store shelves and me i try to eat as organic as i possibly can but unfortunately i eat lunch out almost every day and you just sometimes never know what you're getting from the restaurants um so it's it's in all of our diets, and it's not a good thing. There's no doubt about it. Bob, one more thing that I, I uh, checked out real high, and I don't know if you've ever heard of this, called thallium. Yeah, uh-huh. And that, I, I come out real high in that. I, I don't know, even know what the heck that is. I mean. It's a component. Uh, phthalates are components. uh Oh, gosh, what are they most commonly? They are in some of the pesticides. I think they are also, um, you will find them in the packaging materials is probably where uh, you pick up more of that. Uh, I'll ask our, our expert on it, Diane Bain, sometime about phthalates. She's probably listening, and I'll probably get a text from her here in about the next 10 minutes and uh and uh, we'll see what she has to say. I can't give you a definitive answer, but I think that one comes largely from packaging materials. Well, I'm, uh, I asked the doctor about that, and he said if I ever worked uh, around electron, uh, electronic where they make electrical switches or anything mm-hmm. like that or stained glass, and I've never uh, really uh, worked around that type of thing that much. And uh, it's just puzzling, you know, you, you get these tests, you want to work. Where did it all come from? But just uh, yeah, you know, <clears throat> talking about uh, the uh, not, you know the health food store there, uh, Rhonda. Yeah, Rhonda's Nature's Way. Yeah, yeah Rhonda I, Bone. Uh huh. I can tell you a little bit about them. Um, when I was this is back in the sixties. Yeah. When I first got married, there was only like two health food stores in this town, I believe, at that time. Right. Anyway, there was a place over on they were over on Alamon, and the lady that worked there they helped me a lot because I didn't know anything about. It. My wife just, was just pregnant, and I wanted her to eat right and take vitamins and all mm-hmm. that. Okay, Vera, which is as uh, Rhonda's mother, uh-huh. she was a young. This is she was a young <laughs> girl, man. Well, she worked there, 
Uh, she probably wouldn't even remember me, but she helped me a whole lot. Anyway, well, she I think she's yeah, usually at the Southside store. Uh, she's still she's still active to the best of my yeah, knowledge, and uh, yeah. yeah, you ought to go over to Southside store and uh, and remind her who you are. I'll bet you she will remember who you are, Thomas. I tell you, I bought a let me tell you something. I bought a grinder from them. When uh-huh. you grind up seeds, or I guess you could grind coffee. What I don't drink coffee, but I was real skinny. I was trying to gain weight, and, not, <laughs> and I was grinding. <laughs> Lucky you, yeah. Anyway, this grinder they sold me, this has been my son. Well, my boy, who my wife was pregnant with, he's 52 years old now. And I still have that grinder. Uh, I tell you. I think the only thing I replaced is the cord on it. It was made in France. Yeah, yep. Uh, they just, I, I love talking about them because they're, they're quality people and they are quality oriented people. So I, I appreciate your story and, uh, and you go visit. I'll bet you she'll remember you. Yeah, I think she's over on the south side. Story. Yes, sir. That's yeah, where she spends uh, most of her time. I wanted to, to tell you about that. But well, that and the, the daughter-in-law is also super knowledgeable and nice. She's frequently the one that's over at the north side store. And Rhonda, I think, goes from store to store. So uh, you just, you've just you got a good family business. And like I always say, uh, you don't stay in business for 40 years unless you're helping people. So I'm glad you've had good experiences with them. That's right. Okay, Bob. Thomas, you let me know. Uh, get that glyphosate level checked periodically. Uh, it's easily done. It's uh, as you know, it's a urine test, not a blood test, so they don't even have to stick you to get the uh, uh, the right. knowledge they need. But you can. It's kind of a wake up call to start watching your diet a little bit more carefully because that's where you're picking it up. And unfortunately, we all are. And uh, well, uh, you know, I thought I'd bring that up because you know I never thought I'd. I thought, well, I never use. I told the doctor, I don't, I don't use that stuff. <laughs> well, we've got an idiot government that allows them to uh, spray anything they want to, just about on anything they want to, as long as it makes money for them. So, don't get me started on uh, modern agriculture and our current USDA. It's a, uh, it's a sad state of affairs that goes on out there. But it's in your diet. That's where that's where most of it comes from. But you can eat cleaner, so to speak, and you'll start getting it out of your body, Thomas. It's certainly worth doing. Okay, Bob. Thanks for your time. Always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Uh, let me punch that button and say good morning, David. Good morning, Bob, and thank you for having me on. Thank you for calling. I am debating about something. Okay. We we live out in Canyon Lake on the south side, southwest side, where uh-huh. it is as rocky as well, <laughs> as rocky as Bernie is where I am. Right. Could I get either an avocado or lemon tree to actually produce in this area? You can certainly uh, get them to produce, but you will have to give both of them winter protection. Even the so-called cold-hardy Mexican avocados, you're enough colder up there that um, you're going to have to protect it a lot of winters. But I know people that, you know, grow their Myers lemons in a big, uh, you know, 15 to 30-gallon container and pick lots of fruit off of them every year. I don't think you'd be able to plant them in the ground unless you're willing to be literally build a greenhouse over them in the winter months. But uh, you can certainly grow both of them, and uh, as long as you provide some winter protection, you'll be able to harvest from both of them. What is the, shall I say, average size of them? 
Um, well, how big do the trees get? Oh, the trees themselves. Uh, gosh, the avocado is going to be maybe 20 feet tall, 15 feet wide. Maybe not quite that wide, more like 12 feet wide. You can, of course, prune them. You can, in effect, give them sort of a natural bonsai uh, to keep them a little bit lower. Myers lemon, I've seen them as tall as 20 feet, but I'm going to say the average in a container is probably going to be 10 or 12. Once again, you can prune it to make a lower, wider tree. And remember, both cases, you'll get more fruit off of a bush shape than you will off of a tree shape. So just keep that in mind uh, when you do your pruning on them. And the, the citrus would be more deer resistant than the, the avocado, wouldn't it? Mm, uh, nothing is that deer resistant. <laughs> you know, if you want, if you want deer resistant, you're going to have to plant bay laurel or you know yopon holly or viburnum suspensum. I don't know of anything that really produces an edible fruit that the deer are not going to cause you some problems with. Now, if we could somehow kill off about ninety percent of the deer in the hill country and get the herd back down to the size that the land can support then the deer wouldn't give us nearly as much problem in our landscapes. But uh, I had a biologist tell me at one point the healthy carrying capacity for the hill country would be about 800,000 deer. And I think the last census I saw showed that we had 12 million. So uh, it's a problem we've created, and unfortunately very few trees are going to be immune to their damage. Yeah, I saw 15 in my backyard of about a fourth of an acre last week. Yep. Well, too bad it's beyond uh, hunting season. You can make some awful good sausage and chili and things like that. But no, we just uh, if you wanna if you wanna grow anything, you almost have to deer proof the area with a seven and a half foot fence. I I just haven't found anything else that works to keep them out. And unfortunately, uh, even if they don't eat severely on the trees, they'll the bucks will get in there. You know when they're marking their territories and things and tear the heck out of them with their uh, antlers. So. Um, you're going to have to screen them out if you're going to grow anything like that. Thank you, sir. And the only thing i found that works to keep them out is a solid fence that they cannot see through. You know, I have a seven-and-a-half-foot fence around uh, my garden, and it keeps them out. One of our managers has a uh, solid fence that's, I think hers is almost six feet tall, and they still come over that. So I'm glad it works for you, but... um, Sometimes if they get hungry enough, um, I, I, the only thing I found that totally keeps them away is a, uh, small, uh, lead, uh, piece of lead, uh, traveling at a very high velocity, shall we say. But, uh, no, I, if you get up seven and a half feet, I think, I think you'll keep them out pretty well, whether they see through it or not. Thank you, Bob. Always I a pleasure, David. Your input. <laughs> yeah, it's my pleasure. Okay. Ray's up next. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Um, my question is, uh, I had a, 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 a tulip inside the house. Okay. And it started shedding the leaves early November. So I, I put it in the yard. And now the tips of the, the tulips are like three inches from the tip of the, the branches, okay. they started getting black. Is it that you don't mean? Um, so what you mean is a, a tulip tree. 
which is uh, uh, a type of uh, a magnolia tree. Um, that could be from being too wet. I mean, uh, it's natural for the so-called tulip tree um, to uh, uh, to lose all of its leaves in the winter. It is a deciduous magnolia, and uh, uh, so I, I'm not surprised at all with the with the leaves falling off. That's a normal thing for it to do. But uh, you should, I suspect, the black on the tips may be from that that early freeze we have had uh, last October. But I would expect your tulip tree to start having blooms almost any time now, and I think it will leaf out normally, which it normally will, which uh, most years it will do by early March. You should start seeing leaves. But uh, I would expect to see flowers within the next two weeks, and I, I, I'm not hearing anything abnormal. I don't think your tree's dying. I think it's just doing what it normally does in the winter months. Do I, um, you, you mentioned something in regards to water. You have to water it every other day, every three days? Nah, you do more damage keeping it too wet than keeping it on the dry side. Um, uh, water, whenever the soil is dry, a couple of inches deep and then water very thoroughly, and keep it well mulched. That's the one thing about this type of, uh, they're, they're called Magnolia solangiana is its botanical name, and they like a much richer soil. They're going to grow much better in some other, you know, parts of Texas and our really rocky soils, but there's some beautiful ones around San Antonio, uh, especially when you get in the deeper soils of uh, Alamo Heights and Terrell Hills and on down to King William. Um, they, they will do just fine, but uh, if you're in rockier soils, keep them well mulched, fertilize them regularly. When you water them, water them really, really thoroughly, but that's probably this time of year, that's only going to be every two or three weeks if it's an established tree. Well, I, I was ready, ready to pull it out of the ground and plant something else. Well, they're not easy to grow here, and they're not real pretty when they're not in bloom, but uh, they're going to give you more big, beautiful flowers in mid-February than any other tree tree out there. So if you like it, keep it. If you're frustrated with it, tell somebody to come dig it up and plant it in their yard. (laughs) Uh, My second question, Uh, I have three pecan trees. Uh Uh-huh. And they're they're all bare. They they don't have any leaves. That's normal. Across the street, across the street, there's a tree. They're they're about ten footers. Okay. And they got all the all, they got all the leaves. Pecan trees still have all their leaves on them. No, no, no. Across the street, there's uh, some trees. Yeah. Well, it could they're, be probably live oak trees still. Said, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. Go ahead. There are trees that keep their leaves all winter, like live oak trees are one of the most common big trees that, that you know, always have leaves on them. Um, and then the so-called Mexican live oak, Monterey oak, they call it, uh, will have leaves on at this time of year. The other kind of magnolia, magnolia grandiflora, again, it's not a real easy tree to grow here, but they will keep their leaves all winter long, so... Uh, um, yeah, just, you know, trees like pecans and cedar elms and red oaks and, uh, that kind of tree, they normally lose all their leaves. That's a perfectly normal thing. But other trees like, like magnolia grandiflora and, uh, live oaks, they're going to keep their trees, their leaves most of the winter. They're just two different trees with two different growth habits. I'm looking for something like a 10 footer that, that, um, that keeps shade. Okay, um, look at what they call the Monterey oak. 
or uh, it's also called the Mexican live oak. Botanically, is Quercus. Um, oh gosh, uh, uh, can't say the name out of off the top uh, off the top of my head, uh, but it's uh, uh, it's going to be one of your fast growing, lower statured. Uh, oak trees it keeps its leaves through most of the winter your oak trees are going to drop most of their leaves at the end of winter and then immediately put some new leaves back on so if you're looking for a smaller oak tree normally evergreen easy to grow and fairly fast growing um, uh, look look for what they call the the monterey oak Quercus poly, yeah, Quercus polymorpha. I don't know why I couldn't think of that, but it's the botanical name just popped in my head. It's Quercus polymorpha. But if you ask for a Monterey oak or a Mexican white oak or a Mexican live oak, those are all different names for this tree I'm talking about. And that sounds like it fits your uh, your needs very well. Any any of these trees that you mentioned. You can buy them at any time and plant at any time? If they're in containers, you can plant any time. Most good nurseries will keep trees in stock throughout the year. Yes, sir. And if you are in an area where um, you get your power from CPS Energy? Yes. Okay. If uh, And the Mexican live oak is one of the trees on the list. As long as you don't plant it on the north side of the house, as long as you plant it on the south or east or west side of your house within a certain distance, uh, for every one of these trees you plant, up to seven trees, CPS Energy will give you a $50 credit on your power, on your light bill. So uh, it has to be five gallons or larger, but uh, uh, you can basically, you know, get almost you get a free tree when you go with five gallon size because most of your nurseries will sell them for forty or fifty dollars, and then CPS Energy is going to give you a fifty dollar credit on your bill. Now that only lasts until usually May, but if you're going to plant a tree, you might as well take advantage of the green shade program from CPS Energy and uh, get some money back for planting a tree. The Mexican tree. The Mexican live oak is one of the trees that's on that list, right? Can I find that on the, on the, on the stores like Target and Walmart or anything? Oh, no, go to a nursery. Go to a nursery. Those those guys don't know anything about trees. Go to Phoenix or <laughs> Rainbow Gardens or come see us at Shades of Green. We'll we'll answer your questions and help you with a good tree. Thank you for your expert advice, Bob. Always a pleasure. A you do the same, Ray. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Good morning, Doc. Good morning, Bob. I'm going to make it real quick, hopefully get somebody else on, okay? Okay. All right. Uh, what I've done, I've taken over some property, uh, inherited stuff, and I've been putting daikon radish on it to mm-hmm. build up the soil. Okay. You've heard of those, right? Oh, absolutely. Now, they're strictly cool weather. Not something going to do real well in the hot weather, but in cool weather, it's uh, they're certainly a good soil builder. I got them going right now. You ought to see those monsters. <laughs> They're a big radish, that's for sure. Yes, sir. Okay. In that same ca- thinking, um, I don't know, I was looking somewhere, and we're talking about putting down molasses to help amend the soil and that. Has anybody ever tried just, uh, I know sugar beets wouldn't be a profitable thing here, but using a sugar beet to get that sugar into the soil and have them work as a daikon radish also you can do that they don't grow as well here as they do in a little bit colder climate a little bit deeper soil uh that's why you don't ever see sugar beets grown commercially here uh and they are grown very very widely for beet sugar but we're just a little too warm for them to do well here i if wouldn't you, be prop, i wouldn't have them for um you know to make anything off of just to yeah. amend the soil. Yeah, um, it's just, I, I think you'd be better off with some of your legumes like vetch or Austrian winter peas 
or uh, golly, clovers. There are many different kind of clovers that will build the soil up. And uh, those, I think, will all give you more benefit for the effort uh, and will certainly be easier to grow than uh, sugar bees would. Okay. Uh, just a thought that, you know, I'm sitting here thinking sometimes. And that, well, it's a always a good thing to do, and uh, cover cropping is is a, a great thing. And, and what people don't realize is uh, there are even wildflowers. Plants like blue bonnets actually put nitrogen back in the ground. And there there's some absolutely beautiful things you can grow as cover crops. And uh, uh, they, it's just a very, very good practice. And this has been a great year because we've had so much moisture through the winter months. People that planted cover crops have really hardly had to do anything. Those of us that live in the country, it's sometimes a problem because the deer love to eat those wintertime cover crops. But with your uh, property management, you know, in an area where you don't have deer problems, it's a great thing to be doing. And you're putting down molasses is one of the cheapest and easiest ways to build the soil because it's the sugars that stimulate primarily the bacteria, the microbes in the soil that build and loosen the soil. They actually do more to add organic material than any bigger crop you could grow. And uh, if you ever have access to any other sugary products, uh, you'll get the same effect without having to pay for it. Oh, Malcolm Beck, they used to bring him tank loads of old Coke syrup from the bottling plants. Uh, I guess it goes out of date or something. But anything that's sugary will do the same thing as molasses. And uh, I don't, I'm not sure what you'd have access to, but... Uh, you know, if you deal with any of the microbreweries, if they have stale beer or even the old uh, residue from the hops and all they use in brewing the beer, those are other great things you can use to build your soil. Well, yeah, I've called you once before. Uh, reason, uh, another thing I'll get at is uh, James, the gentleman that called yeah. in from the Marion area. Yeah. I was. I need to get in touch with him, and I know we can't be giving out phone numbers and that, but if you have my number, if you you know him pretty well. What's the name of his farm? Maybe I can call. I that. I really don't know. I do know that he has a produce stand that's kind of you know right there in downtown Marion. I don't have his phone number, and um, uh, but uh, just as we get into the season, uh, I think he keeps it operating. I, mean, I tell you what, next time I talk to him, which will probably be next weekend, I'll ask him uh, days and hours that he operates it, but I. You know, it's not very far out to Marion. I think you're probably just going to have to go out and look for him out there because I, I, like I say, I don't have contact information for him, but uh, we do talk pretty regularly. Well, what I was getting at, he does a lot of experimenting, and I'd like for him to do something. I I could get him. I'd like to get him with some coffee grounds and see how he could work with that. I have tons of that stuff. Well, I know yeah. I'd enjoy talking to you, Doc. So, anyway. uh um, I just, uh, I'll see if I can find out what hours he normally keeps his, uh, keeps his stand going and, uh, uh, you can get out and visit him sometime this spring. Okay. Next question. Uh, shade, shade plants. I'm taking over some shade in my yard that never grows anything. And I want to put some plants in there. that will just keep growing in the shade. Do you want shrubs? Do you want ground covers? Do you want On flowers? Flowers. Um, there are some perennial things that will do in bright shade. They include, uh, some of your salvias, the so-called tropical sage, salvia coccinia, uh, your eyelash sage, uh, salvia blepharophylla, your smooth leaf sage. Those will all do well in the shade. Um, 
Uh, you can grow plumbago in the shade. You can grow shrimp plant in the shade. There's a pretty little fall blooming plant called fire spike or odontonema, not fire bush, but fire spike. Uh, those are all flowering plants for the shade that are perennial. Um, there's some native things like Turk's cap will grow and bloom in the shade. And then, of course, annual flowers for the shade include uh, uh, or annual colorful plants, everything from coleus to caladiums to uh, Persian uh, Persian shield is uh, another one that their strobilanthus is uh, the name of that. And, of course, impatiens and begonias. Uh, those are all flowers you can plant. If you're ever over near our Shades of Green Nursery, we have uh, a special free handout we can give you just on flowers and things that will grow in the shade, and uh, that'll have even more things that I just mentioned for you. I'd love to give you a copy if you come by sometime. Love to. Uh, one more thing. In the burning area, an equipment company, I need a real small uh, compactor, a roller. And I'm, i got to do this in my son's yard, and they were supposed to do that when he put it in his house and put uh-huh. it in his uh, yard. Okay. And they never came back and rolled it. He's got a rolling plane on there, and I need to do that some weekend. Is there a, somebody close by in a burning area that you could get in and out in a day's time? Oh, I'm sure uh, Thomas Reynolds, which is at the corners of uh, uh, Tarpon Drive and I-10, uh, they have a lot of different things. And then there is, uh, oh gosh, there's another rental yard in Bernie Proper's down there, I think, on Industrial Drive. But uh, I usually rent from uh, the guys over at Thomas Rentals, and they have a pretty wide range of things. Now, uh, I'll tell you, as far as putting down grass, if it's been more than a week since they put it down, you're not going to get much benefit out of rolling. So uh, I don't know that I'm going to tell you to spend a lot of time and effort doing that. Uh, That's something that has to be done immediately after the grass is planted to do much good. Uh, yeah, I understand that, but still, that that it's 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 a they you know they put down the dirt and then they put down the grass and then after that, uh, you got when you mow it, you scalp one part, you don't, and it's constantly sure. the same old thing. And we're just trying to even it out. Well, give it a try, but uh, call Thomas Reynolds if they don't have it. I uh, gosh, I can't. Oh, Tooltron, uh, that's the name of the other one. T W O L T R O N. They have a lot of smaller equipment. Thomas Reynolds has a lot of bigger equipment, and they're both real nice people to deal with. Sound like a plan. Thanks for your time today, and you have a great day. You do the same, Doc. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Bye. Frank is up next. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Bob. How you been? I'm great, thank you. How about you? Oh, doing well. Good. I'm calling on my citrus trees. Okay. Uh, they still got a lot of fruit on them. Uh-huh. And I imagine they've already, the plant itself has already spent its energy uh, where it won't affect the new fruit coming onto the tree. Well, it, it you'll get more fruit, but all fruit trees, if they have a really bumper year, they're just naturally going to have a little fruit on a little bit less fruit the next year. But uh, citrus are one of your more consistent producers, so it may not be quite as heavy as it was this past year, but if we don't get a late freeze, I think you're still going to get plenty of flowers and fruit this next year, too. Just oh, just great. fertilize and water. You take care of the trees. They'll take care of you. Yes, and that's what the next question I wanted to ask about fertilizer. Yeah. Is that uh, these are over 10 years old. We're looking at a 3-inch diameter. Are they in the ground uh, or are they in pots? Oh, they're in the, they're in the ground. Okay. Uh, how many pounds should I put on each one? I'd put about 10 pounds around each tree. Wow. Okay. I better find somebody to major it. <laughs> <laughs> no. How, how many trees do you have? 
darn. Uh, probably have about 15, 20. Okay, okay yeah. Um, you could do with a little bit less, but, you know, get uh, Nature's Creations Premium Lawn Food if you want one that smells real good. If you want a good basic uh, poultry litter fertilizer, get uh, Medina's Growing Green. Uh, Maestro Grow makes one that's a bunch of lots of different nutrients in it that uh, they call Texas Tea, T-double-E. Uh, the, uh, people, uh, with, uh, oh, happy frog is the, uh, the name of their fertilizer line. Um, and they're, they're going to have just, there are a lot of good organic fertilizers out there. Espoma is another good organic one. Your citrus tree will be happy with any of those. Right. Right. I'm always, uh, organic when it comes to fertilizer. Oh, you should be. I hope you're organic and everything else too. Oh, yes. I sure am. Well, that's all I needed to talk about. Frankie, thank you, Bob. Have a great weekend, and thank you, sir. Good morning, John. Hey, good morning, Bob. Good morning, sir. Thanks for taking my call. Well, thanks for calling. You bet. Um, so I bought a couple of peach trees this year, actually for Christmas gifts, um, and I'm kind of helping the folks take care of them. And one of the uh, questions I have, is there anything I should do to those trees uh, to head off any issues or just get them in the ground with a good fertilizer and, and let them go? Well, you know, peach trees are one of those trees that you'll get more fruit and better fruit and easier to pick fruit uh, if you shape them well. And the first year, uh, I mean, right when you plant them, is probably the most important time of their life to prune them, to start them off in the right direction, so to speak. And uh, you or, you know, whoever will be doing it will be thinning them. But uh, probably the most important, two most important things are be sure when you plant them that they are planted high enough. You should actually see the roots beginning to flare out. Now, are these bare root trees or are these trees that came no, in no, containers? No, they were in a pot. I got them at Phoenix. Okay. And, and yes, the, the, the roots are... Yeah, I probably have them. If anything, I have them too high. Well, that would be that would be hard to do. Um, the shape that you want to start that tree out, and sometimes it means cutting away half the top of the tree, as hard as that is to do. But you want to ultimately have a tree shaped like a martini glass. You want to have either three or four major limbs rotating out like the spokes of the wheel. So okay. you look at that tree, you cut it off. Uh, you know, at whatever height you want that, that main central trunk to achieve, and then you take off all the side limbs except two or th- three or four of them that are pointing out the direction you want them to grow. And that that truly is the only time you're ever going to prune it this severely, but uh, getting them off to a real good start is very important. So I'm going to tell you that's the most important thing you're going to do. So- so these trees are about five feet tall, and mm-hmm. actually the limbs start to spread out at about four feet. So yep. they're they're that high off the ground already. You're okay. not talking about cutting all of that off and let it start over again. Uh, if you were commercial, no. If you're a commercial grower, I would probably tell you to cut it all the way off. But for a home tree, no. Uh, it okay. just means that you'll end up having to get a short step ladder to pick your fruit instead of being able to pick okay. most of it with your feet on the ground. But uh, right. um, if it is, those are what we call high-headed trees, and I don't know why the heck, you know, so many of the growers are pruning them that way. Maybe they're easier to grow. But, again, you should, uh, like, it's just the same principle. You're starting a little bit higher up. Just pick three right. or four 
uh, limbs radiating out. Uh, it would be nice if each one of them were, you know, 90 degrees apart or, you know, 120 degrees apart, but that's not going to be just approximately uh, radiating out like the spokes of a wheel. Cut the trunk back above that point and cut off any other side limbs that are coming off the main trunk. Great. Well, I, you know, I've noticed as I drive through or have gone and done some picking in Fredericksburg, mm-hmm. there's all branch out about a foot or two. From oh, yeah. The ground, yeah. And you can never find a tree like that um, in a nursery. So. It's hard to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, it's just, you know, it, it's frustrating to those of us in the business that we can't get the growers to grow them the shape we want them to. But there are right. fewer and fewer growers of quality fruit trees. So I guess we should just be happy, happy we get them at all. Um, and I trust you, you chose the, uh, you know, appropriate chilling hour. So no, beyond that, just a little fertilizer, water, mulch over the root zones, but not around the trunk. And you're off to a good start, John. Great. Last question. I picked up a few, uh, really nice hands of ginger the other day at the grocery store uh-huh. and I'd like to plant those in my garden. What? Wait till it's warm yeah. enough. Ginger can't be left in the ground over the winter. You can grow them in a garden or in a pot, just basically plant the roots, uh, they will spread out, and you'll just harvest pieces of those rhizomes. Probably be easier for you in a pot than in the ground because you will have to protect them in the winter.